Welcome everybody to another episode of the Black Jackson Estate Podcast presents the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm user one. I'm joined by user 1.5 and a very special guest who we will get to in a moment. This is day nine of our 12 days of Christmas, which means you've got a couple more days to do that last minute shopping. And you've got a couple more days for your anxiety to go 100% through the roof. Here is some free advice. Don't let these people stress you out. If you don't have a gift for them yet, they're going to live without the gift. If you don't have the money, do not spend the rent money because remember, rent is due on the first even though the first is a holiday your landlord your mortgage company they still want the money so you need to be careful do not mess up by a bunch of stocking stuffers that then take over your rent and utilities it's really important guys use a 1.5 how you feeling i just gave the folks some good free advice if you had to give you some just folks did a me, lot you did a lot just then i, I just saved somebody's life is really did, what did I you did. Okay. Oh, absolutely because well. someone needed to hear that because they're stressing out have a Xanax if it's prescribed. Please do not just pop <laughs> pills that have not been subs- sub- you know prescribed for you. For you, let me be clear, not uh, someone else. This has gone. This is going in a really terrible direction. God is really you speaking to me right now. God is not, asking me to speak to the people. I just want you to understand. You've gone from don't spend your rent money to don't do drugs. Don't I do mean, drugs. What's coming next? Don't kill the your neighbor. I don't know what's. <laughs> That's a really good like, show. We, as we're well, going guys. downhill. Fear, fear thy neighbors. <laughs> fear thy neighbor. My neighbors that kill each other. Anyway, let's bring in our special guest here. We're so excited to have this person on, whom we have never had on, but is a dear friend of the podcast. I know. And uh, I, I want to ask. It's like Christmas already. This is like, like this is Christmas for us. It's Christmas, so he's a superstar. Let's bring him in because I want to get his his take on with some good advice for the holiday season. Mr. Damien Shields is joining the podcast. Damien. Damien. Hello. Hello. Doing? <laughs> doing good. How are you guys? We're great. Welcome to the Black Jackson Estate Podcast. Okay, we've given our input. Share with the listeners some sage advice this holiday season that you think they could use. Oh, don't let your parents drink too much. Because then what happens? This feels you? personal. Damien, is there something you want to say? Is there a story behind this? No, there's no story behind it. It's just a rule that we have. Yeah. <laughs> don't let don't let the parents drink too much. It gets wild. Ah, <laughs> uh, it gets wild. No one wants to see that. I think that's actually some good advice. Don't let the parents or the dog drink too much. Mm-hmm. But Damien, we're so we're so excited to have you here on the show. We couldn't think of anyone else we would rather have on to talk about what we're going to talk about for day nine. We're so glad that you made some time in your schedule to join us on today's episode. Well, I just hope you don't regret inviting me for this particular topic. <laughs> because- oh, we can't. Well, as I also want to give you the trophy. You know, you already know how I feel. You've been in the group chat. So. Right. We already know how you feel. But we also want to give you the trophy for the most antagonistic fan towards <laughs> the estate on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i try not to i try to reel it in but is that trying not to i feel like it's intentional yeah, i feel like it's a lot god. of effort it's not even effort huh oh my god no that comes naturally we love they it just make it so they make it so easy they do. they really do they, make it really, they really do john is just i'm sure he has you blocked on, on all platforms but mm-hmm. that's how you know you've made it we're here today to talk about a very recent michael project that just came out this month Thriller 40, the documentary was released earlier this year, and we're going to have a nice review and give you guys our feedback on this documentary. If you have not seen it already, this is 100% spoiler alert. So if you want to enjoy it without someone else's thoughts creeping into your subconscious or your conscious, do not listen to this until after you've watched 
Thriller 40. Let's take it back a notch, all right? So we get to Thriller 40 in 2023, but let's go back in time. How do we get here? Of course, Michael Jackson's Thriller album is the reason for Thriller 40. It premiered in November of 1982 uh, on Epic Records. I don't think anybody could have imagined how big this thing would be, except for maybe Michael Jackson. He believed and he saw something that no one else could have seen. And I don't even know if he saw as far as this thing actually went, because it just catapulted him into another galaxy. He was out there with the aliens. The aliens was like, is this the album that they talking about on that dirty planet? And Michael was like, yeah, yeah, this is the one. It's me. It's just an amazing piece of history, pop music, American music, world music, black music. It covers all the genres, pop music, rock and roll, R&B. Everything's covered under this album. And it's the reason we get this 40th anniversary. That happens in 1982. We get a re-release of Thriller in 2001. Damien, did you actually buy this in 2001 when the re-release came out? These 2001 reissues are my favorite Michael Jackson product that has ever been released really Uh, yeah and they were extremely important for me as a young fan i was 13 when they came out and for me they were extremely educational you had all of those commentary tracks about the making of the album which allowed you to learn how some of these things unfolded and the thought that went into creating the work that you're listening to they're still to this day my favorite thing i wish the estate would do more things like that Mm -hmm. you know with the world of podcasting that we have available to us, what we're doing right now. If the estate would do something similar to that, that would be phenomenal. The, the Prince estate does. And yeah, for me, those 2001 reissues are like the creme de la creme. They're the best. I, I love them. So Demi and I are the same age, born in the same year. We were, yeah, we were 13 this year. And the interesting thing, this was probably my second Thriller album when I became a fan. I went and just got, Thriller was the second album I bought. I bought The Greatest Hits first. Then I bought, Thriller. And then when this came out, I bought it again. I probably purchased five or six versions of, or six or seven or eight or nine. I don't know. Too many. Michael got my money is really the point I'm trying to make here um, as a 13 year old. And I ain't have all that money. So, but this actually was a really good one. You're right. It had those original demos on it and it had those interviews with Quincy Jones and Rod Temperton, who was still alive. And at, at looking back now, having Rod Temperton, who is no longer here, Quincy is, is so important to just have that to have it. That was a really great release. I'm going to agree. I probably bought two of those because, you know, back in the day, your CD, your CD was scratch at some point. It's going to mess up. CDs are terrible. Well, you got to get two. You have to get one that you play and then you have to get one that you never, ever play. We get Thriller, the re-release, 2001. And then we get in 2008, Thriller 25, which Michael Jackson was intimately involved with and was an executive producer on. We had some remixes. We had some uh, features with popular artists of the time that, and, and popular artists now that you know, Will I Am, Kanye West, Fergie, Akon. There was also a DVD that came with that uh, that included the Motown 25 performance as well as uh, some remixes. User 1.5, what did you think about Thriller 25. Uh, do you remember going to buy this? I remember this came out when, when we were in college. Do you remember going to get this and picking it up? So I I did. 
I did go get Thriller 25. I think I went to Walmart because, you know, I was a poor broke college student, so I didn't have no Target money. I didn't have Target money. But Thriller 25, I really liked. I, we got all those new songs on it, too. Um, we got more songs than was that was on the 2001 re-release. Michael was involved, which makes it so awesome. And I still, I still will hit. If I'm going to listen to Thriller, I listen to the Thriller 25 version, honestly, because I like all those additional songs. And the commentary from, from Quincy Jones, which is also on this one. Good album. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Estate. Well, it wasn't a state. Good choice, mm-hmm. Michael. Mm-hmm. I don't think I think he had fired. John was off the team by now. Am I right, Damien? In 2008. In 2006 was the last time they had any working relationship. Yeah. Peter mm-hmm. Lopez was Michael's lawyer in 2008. Peter Lopez was also the entertainment attorney for a bunch of the artists that Michael was working with in 2007 and 2008. So the, the way he was connected with people like Akon uh, was through Peter Lopez. They were they shared the mutual entertainment attorney. Same thing with Neo. So as you see, you guys really like something where John's not involved, and um, and so we get. Hey, hey, get... I didn't say I like Thriller Twenty Five. Oh, oh. <laughs> Damien, he did Damien not. That's correct. Let's hear about. Let's hear it, Damien. What do you think about Thriller Twenty Five? Well, subjectively, my personal opinion, the way I feel about the actual remixes, is I I feel like that they're a bunch of trash, but. Like you said, Michael was intimately involved with them. He did seem a little bit proud of them. He had a listening session to some of those remixes, like the Will I Am, the Girl Is Mine remix, and the Akon Wanna Be Starting Something remix. Um, he had a listening session with Big Boy from Big Boy's Neighborhood. Uh, he invited him to the studio in Vegas. He wanted to show him the stuff that was coming out soon. And uh, he also showed some of his family members some of the remixes as well. So, I mean, he was inviting people to hear what he was working on which indicates that he was proud of it or thought that it was, you know, something that would be a success. And it was a success, but subjectively, I just don't particularly like the remixes. I think conceptually it's a good idea, but, and it, and it certainly served its purpose. It made Michael one of the biggest artists in the world in 2008. It was one of the biggest selling albums of the year, that year, Thriller 25. But subjectively for me, I just would prefer the 2001 style with the demos and the commentary as opposed to the contemporary artists remixing stuff. No, I think you're right, Damien. I, the only remix I liked was the PRT remix. That was the only one that I liked out of all of them. And I think that you're right. I think the, the more of the hype was around Michael actually being involved and in, in him being so excited about it. I remember he was on like Entertainment Tonight with Will I Am and they were in the studio working on like there was a lot of press from Michael who uh, in you know voluntarily allowed himself to be out there for this album. So I think that might have been the hype here. For all time was on was on that as well, I think. And it should not have been. But anyway, that's a dangerous <laughs> outtake. Yeah, well, so that's, I, I hear it go both ways. I hear people say it's not a Dangerous Session song. I hear people say it, it is the Thriller Session. Like, I don't know. Well, you can listen to me or you can listen to other people, but it's definitely I'm a Dangerous to you, Session Damien, song. I'm of course. <laughs> it's, it's not a Thriller Session song. <laughs> uh, Steve Picaro wrote it, the same guy that wrote Human Nature. Human Nature. Steve Picaro said that when Sony contacted him to ask permission to use his song on Thriller 25, his response was, well, of course you can use it. It's on the original album. He thought they were talking about human nature. <laughs> and then when they said, no, 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 it's for all time. And he said, well, it's not a thriller outtake. It's a dangerous outtake. And they said, well, we're using it. And he said, okay. So that was the conversation between <laughs> Steve Picaro and Sony 
in 2007, 2008, when they were putting that together. Um, but the ironic thing about that is that Steve Picaro does have a thriller-ish era outtake that he recorded with Michael, which is the one that recently leaked when they had the whole jump through the skylight, run across the ceiling with Brad Sundberg's laptop. Um, <laughs> My favorite story of well, the year. You have no when all idea. that was going on uh, and someone was <laughs> taking recording devices into his seminars and stealing his stuff and Dreams Away is more era appropriate to have been added to that album. So I don't know if Michael knew he had a Steve Picaro song and mixed up which one came from which era and accidentally put For All Time on there instead of that or something, but definitely For All Time is something we should be expecting and demanding to be included on whatever dangerous reissue they do because it's not a thriller outtake. That needs to be fixed. Belongs with dangerous. And it's easy to get things mixed up when you've done as much in your career as 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 pronounced as Michael. So maybe he also was like, this is, this sounds like thriller. I think this was thin, you know, and he, and he got it wrong, but yeah, thriller 25, uh, another re-release of thriller. So we got the 2001 re-releases. We have the 2008 release thriller 25 with the shiny, um, album cover and everything. And then we get thriller 40. It comes out, and I think it's clear from what we get from Thriller 40 that this was meant to be about the Thriller era and not just the album. Let's keep going. Let's keep coming up in time. Thriller 40 is a Michael Jackson music documentary documenting Michael's music during the Thriller era, but it's not the first time we get a music documentary from Michael Jackson's estate um, since he's passed away, we get in 2012, Spike Lee's Bad 25. And then in 2016, we get another Spike Lee joint, Michael Jackson's Journey from Motown to Off the Wall. And then, of course, we now are at Thriller 40, directed by Nelson George, 2023. Let's talk about the two prior uh, Michael Jackson music documentaries. I'm really curious because Spike Lee is such a he's like the man right and he's such a cultural and film phenomenon right going all the way back to like what's spike lee's first joint maybe uh do the right not do the right thing jungle fever i don't know i don't know anyway going back to the 80s spike lee has just been a presence and we know he he worked with michael and so he was such a great choice i want to hear from you guys let's start with user 1.5 Bad 25, Michael Jackson's journey from Motown to off the wall. Talk to me about your impression, having watched both of those Michael Jackson documentaries. And did those documentaries inform you of what to expect for Thriller 40 or no? Bad 25, I remember when it premiered and I remember sitting down watching it on television because I don't know which network it premiered on, but I do remember sitting down and watching it and being so excited to see it. And it literally like lived up to my expectations at the time, which was something that was informative, that was fun, that included some like newer artists talking about Michael. Um, It was amazing. And then you have the, you know, from uh, Motown to uh, Off the Wall, which I, I remember sitting down to watch, right? And that, again, just so excited because Spike Lee had done Bad 25. So I'm like, uh, surely this is going to be just as good. And it was. it was. It was amazing. He had great footage, great continuity. The story that he told made complete sense. And it was just and little tidbits in there that maybe you did know, maybe you didn't know. It was for a Michael Jackson 
hardcore fan and they were both also for casual Michael Jackson fans. You know what I mean? So coming into Thriller 40, of course, we all thought that it was going to be comparable. What was the second part of that question? Was there another question? Did I answer it all? <laughs> you answered it all. So <laughs> I'm so trying you, to be you, nice right now. You felt like, so first of all, like, I think once you say like, oh, Spike Lee is doing this, I think it just gives it a different, a different expectation, especially for people who are fans of Spike Lee. I love Spike Lee. I got hardcore into Spike Lee in college and I just bought all the videos. I bought all the DVDs. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them I'd seen, some of them I hadn't seen, you know, Mo Better Blues. Some of them were new to me, but they also were introducing people who became huge in some of their first roles, like Denzel Washington, a lot of his first roles were with Spike Lee, who we end up seeing in the bad video. You're talking about Wesley Slimes. Yes. Wesley Wesley Snipes is in in some Spike Lee joints as well. Early in his career, Michael famously gave him his first acting role, but Spike Lee also features him. So I was just excited. Like, I love Spike Lee. So that was a part of the excitement for me because I know he's such an amazing and phenomenal creator. Damien, same question. I mean, what did you think? You know, uh, Bad 25, MJ's Journey from Motown to Off the Wall. Those came out first. We got them from Spike Lee. What was your impression of them? Did you enjoy them? And then did you use that kind of as a template for what you were hoping you would get or not hoping you would get in a Thriller 40 documentary. Yeah, I I saw Bad 25 actually in a cinema in Los Angeles. I was in the US on a research trip, just coincidentally that it was there the same time it was playing in the cinema. So that's how I saw that with one of my best friends, James. And seeing it on the big screen with a cinema full of people and everyone was into it and into Michael and kind of celebrating him all at the same time. It always feels better, I think, to to celebrate Michael when you're in the same room as, you know, a hundred other people that are celebrating him as well. I thought Bad 25 was really good. It certainly spoke to the type of content that I like to see in a documentary. You know, they talked about the demos and they talked about the process and they went behind the scenes of the videos and really gave you an understanding of the anatomy of what went into the bad era and making it what it was. And I mean, you can be nitpicky and say the things that you you don't like as well. I just thought it was a little bit silly to have a scene in there about uh, Michael's death in an album that was released 22 years before he died. But I mean, it felt like it it didn't belong there. But other than that, like Bad 25, I thought was a very, very good product. And I know a lot of people say that they think Bad 25 is a better documentary than Off the Wall or The Journey to Off the Wall. I don't know. I thought that was good as well. Certainly not an earth shattering documentary, but these they they did have a really nice narrative, a really, it made they made sense. You could come into it without knowing anything about Michael. And then you would be informed about all of the things that relate directly to those eras and those albums. And that's really important for me as a storyteller, as an author, as someone who's putting together a documentary podcast right now, to be able to take someone who knows nothing about a subject and then have them educated and fully understanding every twist and turn and at at every moment, never feeling like, what's going on? What are they talking about? How do we get here? Spike Lee's documentaries are really good at that. They're really good at taking their time to make sure you have all of the foundation understanding within the documentary to then build and build and build on within the documentary as well. And it goes somewhere. Yeah, they were were good documentaries. 
and Spike did a great job and his heart and soul was in there and you could tell he really wanted to put a stamp on those albums for Michael. He was doing it for Michael and it wasn't yeah. a Spike Lee ego project. It was a no, it was not. a Michael Jackson celebration. Both of them were. Yeah. And I just my favorite Damien- was the off the wall one actually, by the way. Me too. That's my favorite. Yeah. Go ahead, I, use the 1.5. Well, I'm going to just say, and I like the, the bad, I like the bad 25, but it's probably because that was the first one. And it just, I was so hyped when I watched it. It just like, you know, that initial hypeness that you feel when you do something or see something the first time, like that initial high, like you're chasing it. As Damien was talking, I was thinking, you know, the storytelling. I mean, that's really what you want to do. Spike Lee is a is a filmmaker. And so that is his, that's his thing, right? If you've watched any of his films, he tells a story, he takes you on a journey through, and they're all culturally uh, surrounded, most of them surrounding black and brown people, but he takes you on a journey where you feel like you're from that place. You feel like you understand these people. You feel like you know their hardships and their struggles, which also makes them more dearing to you as characters. And so I think because he understands that as a filmmaker, that's what made his documentary so the documentary is so good. No, I agree. So I really loved uh, Michael's journey from Motown to Off the Wall for the reason that you guys have both kind of talked about the storytelling. Spike Lee is a master storyteller and he is a cultural storyteller. Most of his films are culturally centered around Black people and Black culture. So he's telling stories about his people and his culture. And that actually makes a difference when you're telling a story. Nelson George is involved with Thriller 40. He's also African-American. So not to take away from that, but Spike Lee is just kind of in a different bag, especially for what with what he's known for. And because he has this film history, he's not necessarily a documentarian. I think uh, so. He did do uh, When the Levees Break or Broke, which was about Hurricane Katrina. I'm trying to think of other things he's done from a documentary. And that one is super powerful. My nephew, user 3.5, could barely get through it. He was just getting, again, the emotions he's able to evoke in telling stories, I think is evident in his work and certainly in the in the projects he did for the estate. What I liked about the journey from Motown, I just want to say this really quickly because I watched a bit of it before, after I watched Thriller 40 today. One of the first voices you hear is Katherine Jackson in that documentary and Barry Gordy and Suzanne DePass. That's you already know. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> like you already you know. The big guns, the relevant, the most important people are there. It's a dream team. Off the top, right? Like Miss Katie's in there with her wig. Her wig looked good. She got her church suit on. She got her makeup on. She always on. looks so she beautiful. She looks so beautiful. She, and she always looks so beautiful. For one of the first voices to be his mother, which it should be, right? From Motown to off the wall should be his mother and Barry Gordy, who was a surrogate father for him. Um, and then you also hear Joe Jackson in a very, in a light that is, has to be given, which is, we just can't put this man in the dirt and just stomp his name in the ground. He talks about how, you know, I had all these kids and I had to feed them and when they needed food, I had to go get it. And I think that, you know, even those sorts of conversations that he had um, and interjecting his voice. I mean, Spike Lee just did a wonderful job of making it not just about the music in a very elegant way, weaving in Michael as a person. Let's move on to Thriller 40. Again, this is a Nelson George directed film. And Damien, I want you to speak. If someone has like, like, who's Nelson George? I don't know this guy. If you had to give him a 60 second summary, who is Mr. Nelson George, director of Thriller 40? Oh, you're asking me to give a bio on Nelson George. I don't know a great deal about him. <laughs> he did well, write what, a book from the thriller book. era about, mm-hmm. about Michael and the thriller 
phenomenon. Um, but gen- yeah, in general, I don't know a great amount of his work, so I can't speak to the other projects that he's done. The, mo- the things that he's been most spoken about in the Michael Jackson community right now are the problematic things that he said about Michael over the years, which is obviously the Michael Jackson fans, are you know, they have a memory like an elephant. They never forget. And uh, <laughs> yes. he, has had, he has had his problematic moments. Um, I think at one point there was an article he'd written where he referred to Michael as a chalky white abuser who tried to de-black himself or something like that. So, I mean, we've, mm. when you're on the record in print with statements like that, or I'm paraphrasing, I don't think he said it, those exact words, but when you're on record with statements like that about somebody and then you get given the gig to do the celebratory 40th anniversary documentary about this guy's magnum opus. I mean, mm, you're going to automatically, you're going to have people's attention <laughs> in a way with like, what's this guy, what's this guy got to say about this? Because, you know, yeah, he, uh, he, hasn't, been all, he hasn't been all sunshines and, and rainbows. I'm going to read an excerpt. So you guys are right. And Damien's right. There's a lot of controversy. There was a lot of controversy once fans found out he was the guy that was going to direct this. And this is a quote from an article he wrote in 2005 called Jackson's Soul Search. A little over 20 years after the triumph of Thriller and now approaching middle age, Michael looks nothing like the little boy I admired. His skin is pale and chalky. He wears bizarre outfits. Although Jesus. (laughs) Let me read the quote. It's it's so ridiculous. (laughs) Go ahead. Although he won't go to jail for any of the 10 counts of child molestation or child endangerment he was on trial for, his life and career will remain tainted. His fascination with young boys, young white boys, is still disquieting. The details of his personal life unearthed during the trial will shadow him for the rest of his life. I have emotionally disconnected from Michael over the years as his skin tone lightened and his public persona darkened. I'm not alone in that. While Black Americans are usually quite loyal to our tainted star, C.O.J. and Mike Tyson, support for Jackson seems more muted. I suspect this is as much because of his ongoing loss of pigment as for the crimes he's been accused of. None of his explanations for how he grew lighter have been very convincing. It is one thing to have a white district attorney target you. Black people understand the game. It's another when you seem, and I use seem here since it's no hard evidence for this, to have willfully tried to de-black yourself. Okay, let me just stop you right there. Oh my God, when Michael so Jackson, fi- When Michael Jackson finally came out in public with the full effects of his vitiligo, he has mm-hmm. universal vitiligo. This is a real thing. Anybody who is not aware of this, I'm sure your audience will be fully aware of it, but it's a real thing. The dangerous era when he was finally unable to cover it up anymore because it was universal. Go and check all of the all of the stars that he chose to be in each of his short films to promote his art, which producers he worked with, and then which major stars he aligned himself with. And tell me if he was trying to de-black himself. Just go and have a look. Mm-hmm. Read the list. Read the list. Dang. And let me tell you, it's so much to unpack there. You, I just felt like you kept reading and reading, child. And I was like, oh, my gosh, please let her stop. Yeah, so worse all, and worse. He has <laughs> emotionally detached himself from Michael. It's very clear that he has with the work that he's produced with Thriller 40. Now, let's he go He didn't financially to, detach himself, though, did he? Did, uh, they part. got a check. Um, but, okay, every... Let me tell you something. I don't know... He's like Michael in the... In, in, no, I'm just going to talk no, over you for ahead. one second. He's like, he's like Michael in the private home movies when he's saying, I don't like to tour. <laughs> I love to I tour. Hate, you know, 
And then, yeah, we need to make... Hey, hey Nelson, we got a check for you. I love Michael Jackson. I love Michael. He's my favorite. He's the uh, blackest black... He's the blackest black man I've right. ever met. Blackity I love black, him. black, black he is. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then he says uh, it's all of his explanations don't make sense. I don't know any black people who don't know somebody, another person of color who has vitiligo. I know so many people who have vitiligo. I just really find it hard to believe that he doesn't know any person that has vitiligo and has seen what it does to your skin. It's already icky. Why he was chosen, I shall never know. John or whoever made the decision clearly didn't give two flying fudges what we thought about it as fans. But how dare you go on record as another? And then, oh, the black community seems to, we seem to love our stars no matter what they do. See OJ. No, I think OJ is guilty as hell. That's speaking for us, I think he's guilty as hell. You can't put all black people in the same box. Did anyone actually forgive? Like OJ obviously did. We that, know, but like, did, did anybody no. actually embrace him again, or do we just think he's like a bit of a goofy? Right, clown who right. has embraced he makes OJ? Funny content, the, cr- but he's the a criminals. <laughs> the criminals have the funny mind with OJ, yeah. and that's it. Or see Mike Tyson. What the hell has Mike Tyson done in the last twenty years since he yeah. got convicted think, of beating that lady and biting that man's ear off? Well, the weird oh. thing is this. So he he has a point, but I think the point is this. It's not that. It's a distancing because we've talked about this. The black community, absolutely. So by the time Michael decides to tell everybody he has vitiligo, he's gotten so much lighter. Some people, are, they've already decided that that's a lie, <laughs> that there's something else, right? Because not only have your, has your skin gotten lighter, you had these surgeries that seem to, to indicate that you're looking for more Eurocentric features. So some people are never going to believe you, right? And at this point, He's still alive. All we have is what he said to Oprah. We don't have the, uh, he's not dead, right? So we don't have this medical evidence to support that that we can look at, right? But beyond that, there's there's more to it. And I think he kind of tried to distill the entire thoughts of the Black community in a way that were not fair or appropriate. But I just want to say this, so since we, and he also does have a book um, that came out <laughs> <laughs> about Michael. If you and, read something else, from well, this it's man, just I'm just gonna tell you. It's called the Michael you Jackson need to, story. Don't read nothing That's else because I'm it's already the Michael, You can get it on Amazon if you want. Um, and it's the Michael Jackson don't story. Don't promote his out, book. It came out in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy? But I was just saying, that's Nelson. So we just talked about Spike Lee, who sings Michael's praises, directing the first two, and then we get Nelson George, and that those quotes are a big part, as Damien said, of why a lot of fans were really not happy to hear he was going to be the one directing the documentary. It was was people were unhappy that it was going to be Nelson and they were unhappy that it was not going to be Spike. (laughs) They were unhappy. It was going to be Nelson, but they were also unhappy that it wasn't going to be Spike because Spike had passionately expressed his enthusiasm to complete the trilogy. He had actually he did. said, he did. He did. I want to do the thriller one. I can't wait to get my hands on it. He said, I want to stick my foot right up MTV's ass. He wants to really <laughs> tell the story. You can tell where he's going with that. What angle Spike would take Michael Jackson as a, as a black hero in America. He had his vision already. Like he'd already been thinking about it and he That's didn't true. get the job. He didn't get and it. He probably had a treatment and everything first- already. His first, we probably did. His first two documentaries were probably also structured in a way that would allow Thriller to fall in the middle. If you look at 
the way mm-hmm. they start and end and what you what they cover and it allows that void to be filled. It's kind of strange that he didn't get the job. So for it's people more strange that Nelson got the job. Now I haven't right. heard you read any <laughs> of his accolades for I'm filmmaking not, and I'm, directing. I'm not I'm, gonna I'm do waiting. that. Go I'm ahead. Not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. You're not gonna do um, that. Does he have any to do I, that with? Not to my knowledge, but oh, well, I'm not gonna do that. You can't so, do it if you don't have. Well, here's also the other thing I want to say this what Damien said. So Spike Lee, one of my favorite films from Spike Lee, which I think just got added to the Library of Congress, I think recently. And if I'm wrong on this, you guys let me know, is Bamboozled. Mm-hmm. They would mm-hmm. not play Bamboozled in so many theaters when it first came out because of the content and what he was trying to say. He is controversial. See, they don't care about us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The prisoner version. Right. You know what I mean? Like he is, he's, he's, we love him. And this is also why we love him because he's just telling what he knows to be yeah. the truth. And that might've been a little too risque, maybe for like, like Damien was saying, he was going to go after MTV's neck in a very severe way. And probably not just MTV, probably the entire industry. And maybe, maybe I'm just theorizing, right? Maybe that's why I'm just speculating. Maybe that's why they were like, mm, Listen, the facts are the facts. Are what are let's the not facts. let Spike do this one. We we've already got him twice over here. Let's not let him do this one. But yeah, he he. If they would have let him do Thriller, it would have been like you could have taken a Saturday, got you some popcorn, got you some friends over, and y'all could have just back to back to back this all day, and it would have been wonderful. But it was not to be. We got Nelson George, who said Michael did not want to be black, has a very disturbing relationship. Why are you keeping it? Why are you going to continue to read these things? Okay, anyway. I, I read <laughs> You're trying to upset us, okay? You're trying to get us All right, I'm done. All right, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Okay, and I want to mention one more documentary. And you guys can tell me if it should be on the list or not. This is it, which came out in 2009. It is a music documentary of Michael Jackson's estate from Michael Jackson's estate since he passed away. I initially did not include it, but I thought about it when Damien was talking about how he saw Thriller 25 in the theaters. So if we go back just a few more years to the very untimely and absolutely devastating, just shocking death of Michael Jackson, we do get this documentary that was created to show the world what he was working on in gearing up to go on his final farewell, final curtain call tour. (laughs) Do you guys think this should be included or is this an anomaly of a strange thing um, that is kind of stands alone in a box and it is what it is? What do you guys think? Damien, what do you think? I think it's an anomaly. And I think this is it is structured in a way that doesn't really have a box to fit into either. It's not a concert film because there was no concert, but it's, they try to make it a concert film. It's not a documentary because it, there's no real proper story like if you look at the behind the scenes footage under this is it blu-ray where they have that like staging the return stuff that's doc that's real genuine documentary stuff but the actual film that went in cinemas is more like an attempt to make a concert film on a concert that didn't happen it's very very unusual and the fact that it's you know if it is a concert film it's the biggest concert film in the history of cinema if it is a documentary, it's the biggest documentary in the history of cinema. Like it, whatever it is, people really uh, got around it. And I have to say, I, I saw that documentary, concert film, whatever it is, in the cinema nine times. I was really, really uh, clinging to it as something that I could use as a way to capture what I was going to go and see. I had tickets to see the actual This Is It tour. I had tickets to seven shows. And I think I just went to the cinema over and over and over to try and capture 
a little glimpse of what I might have got to see when seeing Michael. But it is an anomaly because it's not a documentary and it's not a concert film. It's something very, very unique. Yeah, I agree with Damien. I don't think it needs to be included on this list because, yeah, it doesn't fall into a category. Let me say, just for the record, that moment in pop history will forever live rent free in my head when Michael got up there on that stand and said, this is the final curtain call. I tell you, I play that in my head. I say that about my clients every day. It's time to leave, honey. This is the final curtain call. Um, <laughs> we went to see it twice. User one and I went together to see it twice in the theaters. And uh, Damien, because I was like a grieving honey, widow. Going to I was like a grieving times. widow. But yeah. it, it, that's what I was going to say. It captured. It, it really captured the fans. Like it rode on those emotions because everybody was so shocked oh, yeah. and everybody was just so hurt and just confused. And we just didn't. We just didn't foresee this happening. Because of the hurt that the fan community felt, the same way that these people are going to see Taylor Swift's era's tour in theaters a hundred times is the same way we went to see This Is It. Um, But let's move into Thriller 40. Let's talk about it, okay? Thriller 40 was a concept that has been out and the fans have had knowledge of it for quite some time. My first question to you guys is this. When you first learned about this project and that it was going to happen for sure, what were your feelings and what were your expectations? So we had been expecting that a documentary should be made to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Thriller all through 2022. And it wasn't until the end of 2022 that they actually announced that they were making one. Um, and it was worded as if they had actually spent all of 2022 making it and that it was going to come out either at the end of 2022 or as John Branker said on his TikTok, January of 2023, which all of that made sense with the fact they had a Thriller 40 album coming out as well. It would make sense to support the album with a documentary and, you know, all of this stuff together. But as the months went past and it didn't come out, it was kind of like, well, what's going on? But they did show it to us in cinemas. So I had a different experience to most of you all who saw it for the first time just a couple of weeks ago, I I did see it in November 2022 when they allowed the fans to see it. My expectation prior to seeing it was that this is the biggest selling album in the history of humanity. No single collection of songs have ever sold as much as this, which means that no single collection of songs have ever been as revered by the public as these collection of songs. This is the most important album by any human being ever so i would expect that this documentary would be the greatest music documentary ever because when you have all the ingredients that michael gave you through the thriller era from you know this intention to make an album that was going to save the music industry in a declining music industry where video games were taking over and music sales were going down and record stores weren't able to get people through the door and you had Michael reeling from not being recognized for his work with Off the Wall. You had Quincy Jones who wanted to make an album that was going to be sonically the best album that had ever been released. You wanted Michael wanted to have an album that was going to be the biggest selling album in history where every song could be a single. All these ingredients, this storm that was brewing behind the scenes before the album was even done, the intention to make this album and the fact that it became what they had all really dreamed up. I expected this documentary would capture that storm and sh- and show how they really cooked this incredible thing that became what it became. And um, when I saw it in the cinema, they 
told us that it was a work in progress version of the documentary. Like we haven't finished it yet, but we want to be able to let fans in and see what it's going, you know, where we're at so far, basically as a work in progress, I thought it was really, really good. Like excellent. I thought, wow, they've got all of this incredible behind the scenes footage of Michael doing interviews behind the scenes stuff from short films. They've got this HD footage of the victory tour, the girl is mine recording sessions, all these interviews that they've done, la la la. The ingredients were potentially giving them the opportunity to make a 10 out of 10 documentary. Um, but they sold it as a work in progress. So I assumed like, okay, they've thrown all the ingredients in. They haven't like put them in the right places yet. They're probably going to have to shuffle things around, take things out, put new things in. Some of that's got to be like placeholder footage. The narrative hasn't really been figured out yet. It kind of feels a third, like it's a track by track. Third of it is like chronological and a third of it is just like you know, sizzle reel type stuff. Like where is it actually going? What story are they actually going to tell when they finally finish this thing? So that was my expectation was that it was headed, it was headed in the direction that should have been the best music documentary ever made. It could, it would be easy to do that with Thriller. So I echo everything Damien has said, um, 100%. Uh, obviously I didn't have the same experience seeing it in the theater prior to the release a few weeks ago. So the first time I saw any of it was, uh, was on the second, but I was expecting, honestly, I was, first of all, I was expecting Spike Lee. I'm, I'm with the, the tribe of fans that are really pissed <laughs> that he didn't, he didn't get the job. It's um, easy to ex- find that tribe, I, you know, because there's right. always, somebody's Three always pissed about something um, in the fan community. There's right. always something. We always mad. Off. Yeah. Michael Jackson my, fans always mad. Michael Jackson um, fans stay mad. Yeah. I love it. I love that for us. Anyway, I, I expected that Spike Lee was going to do the film, which is mm-hmm. like, I had no question. There was no question in my mind. Like, of course it's going to be Spike because Spike has done these other two for the albums around Thriller. So it makes sense that, of course, he does Thriller. And I also expected, I expected to learn something new, different, see some footage, rare footage, um, maybe get some interviews with uh, Quincy and, you know, kind of that, thing again right like really dive deep into the making of thriller and what was happening around michael at that time right like what was his mindset what was he saying to people because obviously he was talking to people about what his goal was what the the big picture that he saw so i was really expecting to see that and of course the music right like the music is phenomenal this is the best album the biggest selling album of all time I was expecting more music and 4K, right? Like 100% expecting everything to be nice and crispy, sharp, the colors beautiful, because a lot of the footage that the fans have seen are from the 80s and have not been digitally remastered in any way. So I was really expecting to see um, that for all of the the short films that he did for Thriller. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we quite made it. Those, those are your expectations. Yeah, I wasn't. I try to go into, and this is just my personality. You guys have heard me say it on the on the show before. I try to go into most things though without to like without an expectation, right? I think I was like, okay, cool. And then I think when I found out Nelson George was involved and I saw the things he had said, I was just like, whatever. I'll watch you when it comes out. Whenever, whatever, whatever excitement I think I would have had for it was completely taken away once I saw his involvement because there's no coming back from that quote like that's if that's how you feel that's how you feel 
but you shouldn't be involved in a Michael Jackson project like this. You should keep writing your little articles about him and and say whatever you want. And so I think when you're doing a documentary, whatever the preconceived notions of the director are, it there's no way that that it doesn't seep into the content that they choose and the way that they choose to line up the documentary uh, as it goes on. So and I think it was from what he said in that article, I think it draws a straight line to what we got with Thriller 40, honestly. That's just well, my opinion. Ultimately, it's, you know, let's just be clear. We are talking about a human being. He wasn't just a pop star. He's a human being. And at the point that you've expressed this sort of distrust or disgust with that human, why are you making this? Like, why are you even involved? Like, and at that point, that's where the estate, his children, someone with some say goes, hold on a second, not him. Because you're not going to talk about my daddy like that. You're not going to talk about, you know, like, we're not going to do that and then turn around and give you a bag. How about a no? (laughs) I don't know the behind the scenes of that. I don't know if there was a big fight to not have him or what, but it sure would have been for me. What I'm hearing is the expectations were mid, maybe, for most, for for, for the folks, at least on this call. And then later we'll talk about if those expectations were met, which I feel like I know the answer. Thank you for listening to day nine of the Black Jackson Estate podcast presents the 12 Days of Christmas. You got to come back tomorrow for day 10. We're going to be continuing our discussion of the Thriller 40 documentary with our friend and special guest, Damien Shields. A big thank you again to Damien for joining us on the 12 Days of Christmas. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you guys listening from all of us here at the Black Jackson Estate Podcast.